Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Hello and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up with Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome Welcome to our podcast, Growing Up with Galdem. We are so thrilled to be joined by the incredible Nicole Dennis-Ben, who is a Jamaican-born author of both Here Comes the Sun and Patsy. And both books have rightly received critical acclaim. And in addition to the much-deserved recognition of these books, her work has also featured in the New York Times, Elle, BuzzFeed, and the list could go on and on and on. She's previously taught writing programs at places like Princeton University and is the co-founder of Stuyvesant Writing Workshop and lives with her wife in Brooklyn, New York. And you've probably heard me and Charlie gushing over how much we love Nicole's writing, honestly. It was Charlie who gave me 
my first copy of Here Comes the Sun and introduced me to your work. So we are so excited to have you here today. Honestly, for me, on a on a very personal level, when reading that book, it was the first time that I saw some version of myself and my heritage reflected in, you know, the written form. So yeah, we just we're we're huge fans of your work. So we're really excited to have you here with Thank us. Thank you. Yeah, I think we were actually talking about Here Comes the Sun on the last podcast episode as well. There you go. So yeah, if you haven't if you haven't read Here Comes the Sun, if you haven't read Patsy, now's the time to go and buy buy a copy. Um, Nicole, I've seen that you've been posting a lot about the elections. We're recording this a couple of days before the election in the US. Are you feeling confident, excited, really nervous? I am actually feeling really nervous because um, I feel like 2016... Um, We were all excited. I thought that, you know, Hillary would have won. And we woke up to a completely different news. So I'm still anxious. But I mean, the least I could do now is just vote. You know, I'm so happy that most of us are voting early. So my fingers are still crossed all the way. Like, I'm just really, really hoping that everything goes well. It goes smoothly. You know, if, if if the Democrats win, if Joe Biden wins, I hope that Trump can peacefully walk out of the White House, you know, and not cause any problems. So I try not to focus too much on that and hope that more more people come out and vote, you know, to sway, um, you know, the changes, to make changes that we need to make here. Well, yes, it's important. I'm glad that you still, you, that you have hope and that you have optimism <laughs> that, that things are oh, going to go gosh. the way that you want them to. Yeah. It's like a flashback too, because I grew up in Jamaica. So in Jamaica, we had the PNP and the JLP and it's always... You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s there, and it was the same kind of contention. You can't, you couldn't tell anybody who you're voting for because, God forbid, you know, you're wearing the wrong colors and the wrong street. And so it's interesting now when I'm living in America, the same thing could technically happen, and it's, it's happening, you know, where it's just a, um, such a contentious voting period we're in right now. So it's just interesting. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if you've been following some of the kind of even more radical black thinkers and commentators on Twitter who are just completely like not engaging with the process at all because they're just so disillusioned with both sides of, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats. Oh my god, no, I haven't um, paid much attention to those. I still think even though we're not if, if you are not happy with Biden and Harris, I still think at least vote them in, you know, because what we have right now, he's destroying the whole country. And I'm I'm so sorry to like have this conversation be so political, but goodness, you know, I don't know if we can go another four years. Yeah, for sure. No, and I think, you know, it's it's good to be political sometimes. And I feel like on this occasion, like three or four days before the election, we've got every right to talk about, about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be wonderful to return to you and your work a bit more closely. And We'd, we'd love to hear you sort of read out this extract you've pulled from us, which I think is from a 2016 article that you wrote, which is titled Growing Up with Miss Jamaica, which sounds very intriguing. All right, so let me start with this paragraph. The solution first appeared in hushed whispers throughout the school compound. Dark-skinned girls flocked the restroom on the fifth form floor. You see how Lola's face looked clear and pretty? Is bleaching cream do it? The other girls listened reverentially, as though what they heard could somehow answer a lifelong prayer. Then Nora, one of the few girls in my school form, a working class family, had discovered Nadidola. She stole a jar from her mother, who rubbed it on her knees and elbows, blackened from years of scrubbing other people's houses. 
She hid it inside her frayed backpack, and when she came to school, revealed it to us. That was the year that Buju Banton, a renowned Jamaican dancehall and reggae artist, came out with a smash hit, Browning, a song that expressed his love for lighter-skinned women. Me love me care, me love me back, me love me money and thing, but most of all, me love me Browning. What would happen if we used Nadinola for extended periods of time? Would we be invited to sit among the lighter girls at lunch? Would the boys who like them like us too? Visions of Miss Jamaica flashed across our minds. It began as innocent curiosity, but as we saw the attention the so-called brownings were getting, our motivation shifted. We had stepped inside an open wound, a painful history fraught with yearning, a yearning that our adolescent minds were only able to understand as vanity. We began to fear the sun. In their fine print, the creams advised avoiding it. But it was the bold warnings of our elders that stuck with us. Stay out of the sun, or it's going to get blacker. They were trying to protect us from something we only vaguely understood. Many of us were too busy being children to acquiesce, too innocent to realize that our bodies were exposed wounds, or flesh the perpetual shame. This article touches on so many points and I think, um, yeah, there's just, there's so much that is really relatable. I know that whenever I go to Jamaica and I'm with my cousins and stuff who all have their tubs of skin lightening cream and my family are from St. Elizabeth, so they're all very fair anyway. But there is, there's definitely this thing of, you know, you must, you must stay out of the sun or what, like, why are you coming here and you want to be in the sun, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. But I guess we wanted to, we wanted to know, what does it feel like for you to, I know that you wrote this piece like three, three three-ish years ago now, but what does it feel to, to be looking back and reflecting on that moment? You know, it's interesting because the space I was in when I wrote that article, I feel like I've evolved from that space, although it reminds me of that I still have a few hangups. It reminds me that it never really left me completely. And, you know, um, most of the things, when you read my fiction, Patsy, Here Comes the Sun, and even the book that I just completed, I feel like it's there. It seeps in. So clearly my subconscious still retains a lot of that hurt. You know, um, you know, my therapist calls it trauma. You know, because I was there on the island from, you know, until I was 17 years old. And that was what I was seeing growing up. You know, so it, it, it's probably, it might, probably might take another 20 plus years, I guess, to unpack all of that. It's hard. It's like a conscious um, thing to do. For example, I remember walking the street with, with my mother. And, you know, there's there are times when she herself would also do it. You know, we'll see a girl who's light skinned with the Indian hair. And she's like, oh, look at that pretty girl. But that would never be said for a girl or complexion or darker. And for me, now that I, um, you know, I'm a mother, I would love that, uh, you know, if I were to speak like that, you know, that my subconscious, you know, would actually not take me back to that place that I could mindfully say, look at that beautiful girl, right? Looking at a girl that looks like me, you know, because children are listening, you know, and I I learned this from I was five years old. So Know that I'm actually in my, in my 30s, the fact that it's still with me, you know, says a lot. So I hope, I hope that I don't do it to other girls coming up. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely something to be mindful of. And I think, yeah, a lot of us have to check ourselves in the way that we talk about beauty in relation to, to colorism and, and other sort of black beauty standards. I wondered sort of where your head was at in terms of the popular discourse around colorism. I feel like it's spoken about a lot more and in a much more public 
forum than it was perhaps four years ago. I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah, definitely. People are not talk, uh, well are talking about it more. I feel like um, before when people brought it up, it was like, oh, you know, stop being so bitter. You know, um, we are over that conversation. So you're kind of you're kind of shamed not to say much about it. You know, just move on. And now more than ever, more people are getting involved in that conversation. More people are coming forward. You know, t- saying what happened to them. You know, I even saw um, a famous Jamaican actress just a couple of weeks ago posted about her um, experiences. And b- back in the day, you never see in any Jamaican public figure say anything about that. You know, so I'm so happy that now people are, more t- are talking about it. It's not a stigma anymore to just say something. And uh, people are listening. And so that, uh, you know, I always say, you know, as a writer, I love having, I love inciting conversations. And now I'm seeing that conversations are happening and it's like it's healing for sure we we um we we hosted like quite an intimate space recently for some of our like most close-knit community to talk about colorism and and I think yeah you're right it's gaining prevalence in terms of being publicly spoken about I guess the next step will be seeing how that actually impacts the industries that we work in, right? And this is something which is spoken about here, a lot here. We look at the kind of dark-skinned black women musicians, for example, and it's thinking about, yes, of course, the conversation has to start, but there needs to be, like, a next step to that conversation. It can't just be about pointing out the things that we know exist that are unjust and that are happening to to darker skinned people within these industries but but yeah I mean here comes the sun like definitely definitely touched upon that in a big way you know and that's what I wanted you know whenever was here comes the sun that's what I wanted it to do to actually um shake up Jamaica a little bit you know shake up us shake the reader a little bit like wake up you know and you know this uh, this essay I just read came out just a few months before here comes the sun came out because you know um, in the whole book book, um, marketing you know, you have to have the essays out and the interviews. So this was one of those essays. And I realized that the book itself, you know, many people, many Jamaicans were talking. It's interesting because I read um, at Calabash Literary Festival um, when the book came out. Or it, it, the book came out in July. The festival, festival was in May. But still, I was able to get um, early copies. And I remember the women who were coming up to me at Calabash, they were like these uptown light-skinned women. Right. And say, so, oh, how, they, how much they connected to Tandy, the girl in the book who is bleaching her skin to become lighter. And I looked at these women and I'm like, oh, so you went through the same thing, too. You know, and so I, I realized it's all relative. Right. The lightest person can tell you, well, in their own family, they were probably the darkest person and they went through some form of colorism. You know, and so that's when I realized that it's deeper than we think. You know, it's um, it touches the lives of many, many individuals. And so, um, like we said earlier, that the best thing to help, to help that is is conversations, you know, um, as opposed to silencing people or shaming people when they bring it up, open the conversations more. It's interesting that you bring up the the reaction specifically within Jamaica, because obviously Liv and I can kind of like talk about what we see happening in the West, in the UK and America a bit more. But do you think the conversation around colorism is moving on with speed in Jamaica at this point as well on, on a sort of wider scale? I would say yes, probably the same, because, um, you know, when I came to the U.S., I saw more race, you know, white versus black. But then, of course, being around African-Americans and other Caribbean individuals and also Africans, you you, you, you see the same dynamics that we were running away from before, you know, that um, the colorism stuff that happened. When I was at Cornell, I remember that most of, most of the AKAs, the Alpha Kappa Alphas, were lighter skinned girls 
you know, with their long hair and the deltas were the dark skinned girls, um, like myself with, you know, their afros. And, um, I guess, I don't know if any had dreadlocks at the time, but it was so distinct. And I looked at it and said, oh, wow. You know, that was exactly how my high school in Jamaica was. The light skinned girls had a group to themselves. The dark skinned girls had a group to themselves, you know? So I think it's, it's global. It's across the diaspora. You know, and that's why, um, you know, these conversations need to happen. And, you know, I get really upset at casting directors because when I watch TV, I, you know, people can be as woke as possible, but I'm still seeing the same representation of black women on screen. I'm still seeing the light skin, curly hair poof, as opposed to the dark skin, bantonat or dreadlocks or afro or ball. I'm, I'm not seeing those black women on screen. I'm not seeing us in the music videos. I'm not seeing us portrayed in prominent roles. The only first person I can think of now is Viola Davis and um, Lupita, you know, but everybody else I just feel like they're light. Right. And not to knock um, lighter skinned women. I mean, everybody, every black woman deserves a place in Hollywood. I just wish that they can actually honor the spectrum of our complexions in a cross board. Yeah. There was that, you know, really recently, I don't know if you guys saw the um, A Different World sort of scandal. It was like a, a reading. I think the, the name of the what they were reading was was called A Different World. And it was like just like a selection of like just light skinned actresses. And I think the the show or the TV series or whatever it was based on had a mixture of, of shades of women. And there was uproar because everyone was like, why have you got Yara Shahidi like all together and you haven't included any, any dark-skinned women. And that was literally, like, last week, I think, yeah. Oh, I need to Google that. But, yes, even that. I love, I love Yara. You know, I see her in grownish and blackish. And, you know, she's very smart, well-spoken. But I'm like, come on. Like, I also want to see another girl who looks like me, too, you know, on her level. Yeah, and I think yeah. call, calling for that is by no means, like, delegitimizing the talent of, of other women. It's just saying that we need yeah. more and we need representation. And I think... Yeah, one thing that I'm really interested in, in the piece, you kind of talk about the fact that you've you had this kind of conversation with your with your mum where she kind of, you know, tried to reassure you that actually you take after this fair part of our family and don't you worry about that. And I wonder, like, in general, but also through the book, if you've had any in interesting or, you know, deep conversations with your mum or other members of your family since the book has come out around, you know, colorism and things like that? Has it sparked debate or? Huh. That's interesting, Liv. I haven't had um, a deep conversation with my mom about the book. You know, the interesting thing she said, she read the book, but it never, um, there was never a conversation within our household about the book. You know, why I had to write the book in the first place, any of that. She just read the story and that was that. Um, the only thing that she did uh, express concern with was, of course, Verdina and Margot being in a relationship. You know, um, that was the only thing, um, which is interesting. But not about the colorism part, not about Tandy bleaching, not about, you know, how we feel as black women, how Dolores would say in the book, nobody loves a black girl, not even herself. No conversation about that. But other people have had the conversation concerning that. Conversations I had, for example, here in the U.S., had been around the, the black girl concept, you know, pairing it with Black Lives Matter, for example, you know, how one girl bleaching her skin because, you know, that to her, it means that she would matter. You know, she'd be regarded as beautiful. She'd be regarded as, as important, right? And the same here, you know, when you have a, a Black Lives Matter march, 
forcing people to see that black lives actually matter. You know, that we can't, there's no way we can alter who we are because we, this is the skin we're in. To be honest with you, I really, really wanted the conversation more to happen in Jamaica, given that, yes, the book is set in Jamaica, but I really wanted those individuals who did those things to us, you know, um, who look like us, who would say things off the cuff, like, you know, saying we're not beautiful enough because we're dark girls. You know, I had a, a dance teacher, I won't call her name, but I remember how she used to beat us, you know, um, as darker skinned girls in the class and she'd leave the light skinned girls because, oh yeah, their skins can get marks. And something as brutal as that, and this, the woman looked like me, you know? Um, and then of course, another incident where I was told I would never get into college because my parents never went to college by a black man, my complexion, you know? So we, we, we did that to each other. So I, I really wanted the conversation to happen in Jamaica more than anything else. Because that was where my first hurt happened. And that was a result, you know, why I wrote um, this piece, Growing Up With Miss Jamaica. Because it, it's, it was in our faces. The girls that they regarded as important didn't look like me. You know, they were straight. They were Lebanese, half white. They were those girls. And like I said, it would probably would take years to unpack that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Colorism 
you know, it's a theme obviously in your first two books and Here Comes the Sun and in, and in Patsy as well. And I, I wondered if, if it sort of carries into the third book that you just mentioned at the beginning of, of the interview, which we're, we, we're very, very curious about. We're like, we need to get proof. What can you like, tell us? Sent over <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> well, I can't say much, but what I can say is that I kind of flipped it on its head in this third book. And... I mean, in very interesting ways. So I, I, I will just, I'll leave it there. But I, I did flip it a little bit. Just sort of moving slightly away from from your extract. But I was wondering how you sort of found this this pandemic period. Was it a period of creativity for you? Did you find it a bit more tricky because of the new baby? Or yeah, tell us about it. You know, I was well on my way with this book, with this novel before my child, before you know, any um thing changed completely. You know. Um, so it was interesting when it happened, it actually gave me more time with the work itself because last year, this time, you know, while I was writing and it was usually, it was actually by the last leg of the, the book, but I found myself, I was going out a lot. I was doing happy hour, traveling a lot, which I, I, I miss those things. I really do miss those things, but I wasn't as focused. Um, so even though this pandemic is terrible and I hate it so much, it gave me focus. That was the only thing. Cause I mean, other than be other than mothering, you know, and wifing, there's the book and I had no choice but to look at it, you know, so that was how I was able to push it out to my agent saying, oh, well, you know, how about you take a look at this? You've spoken quite a lot about this, just the fact that you're still obviously as a human being kind of unlearning and like healing, um, you know, and, and, yeah. and looking, looking back to these things and also looking forward. But can you talk to us a little bit more about what that journey is like? I know that you mentioned therapy and mm. I'm assuming that's like yeah. a useful space. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, I always said this. I don't know if I can, I could have been the writer I am without therapy because really therapy forced me to look inside. You know, I always tell my students, it's important that you sit in dark places with your characters. And so how can you do that if you can't, if you aren't able to sit in dark places with yourself first? You know, so it was actually me going to therapy that helped open up so much more, which is probably why I was able to have this third eye with Here Comes the Sun. Like, oh, yeah, let me go back and let, um, process what's really happening here. And the way how I process is definitely in fiction, you know, writing things down. And so that was how I was able to um, heal. Oh, this is like also what you guys had asked for, um, Charlie and Liv, when you guys were like, you know, um, what journals do you have? My journals are actually my outlines for my novels. And, you know, it's a long story with that. Like, I, 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 for some reason, I can't just sit there and just journal. Oh, yeah, this happened to me today. I don't know how, what my subconscious does, but it comes out in stories. Um, and that, that's also, able, like, it helps me to heal and process things through my characters as well. You know, and also I kind of um, had, I was traumatized in the, in the, in, um, in the past. I, I do remember a, a time when I used to journal, like writing things directly as my own voice. And my stepmother found my journal and she outed me to my father. And I think, I think something happened that day where I said to myself, never again. So most of the things that come out of me is, is writing stories, you know, so I can honestly say I'm hiding behind my characters in that sense. Gosh, gosh, yeah. gosh. That's such a violation to, to you know, yeah. this to have bared all of yourself in this space that's just for you and to have someone take that I completely understand why right. why you wouldn't want a journal moving forward yeah I, I remember sort of talking to you about this briefly before Nicole um because I think you I think last time we spoke you told me it was it was not long after you'd moved to America that, that those those journals were kind of found 
Is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It literally happened two months after I moved here. Oh, wow. You know, okay. I, yeah. If my father had believed her, I was. I probably would have ended up homeless. You know, um, I don't know what made him say, well, give her the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but yeah, he refused to believe it. Yeah, yeah. But um, what I was going to say is that we didn't speak about the fact that you now sort of tell your own stories to your characters. And I do think that that, despite it sort of perhaps coming or being linked to your trauma, that is a really beautiful thing. And I'm glad that you have that outlet um, for your stories and for your own narratives. I, I was wondering what you think your sort of younger self, the person who is learning about the realities of, of, of colorism and, and struggling with the beauty standards in Jamaica would think about where you are now in your life and Oh my God. She'd have been so impressed. Like she's like, who is that woman? She probably wouldn't know how to even speak to me, honestly. I was oh. I was probably that I was really shy as that young girl, that you know, that young ten year old girl. And I mean, I would definitely want her to see, you know, who she can be, you know, at least having an example, you know, and it's just ironic now, you know, Liv mentioned that I, um, she follows me on Instagram and I've been getting messages like, oh, wow, you know, you, you, you dress so well, you know, you're beautiful, you're this, you're that, you're talented. And, you know, not to look at, not to look to social media for those affirmations, but I wish I was in that space with that girl so she could actually see this happening, see a woman who who embodies all these things, you know, and um, people say, wow, you know, that person made it, that person is beautiful as well. You know, like, you know, if I were walking through halfway through with my mother when I was 10 and a billboard, a huge billboard of, Lo- of Grace Jones was there and people were like, wow, look at that beautiful goddess. I'm like, I would have loved to see that, you know, but we didn't see that. And so, no, I, I yeah, I hope that the little, the little girls in Vineyard Town coming up now would see more of us out there. That's so beautiful. And do you feel like there, there is a shift or anything's changing? I was looking at like previous winners of Miss Jamaica and how in 2017 yeah. there was like a girl that had a natural, like her natural hair, like she had an afro and mm-hmm. everyone was like, this is progress. But like, is that really progress? And is there really progress? It's not. It's not like, you know, and I meant, even mentioned the one with the dreadlocks here in Elle magazine, the Miss Jamaica uh, with the dreadlocks. That girl is lighter than a, a paper bag, a brown paper bag. This one with the Afro, if you look closely, she has European features, the fine nose and the thin lips, right? When is a girl who has our African features, right? The hair and the facial features and the complexion going to be Miss Jamaica Universe? Right, probably never. Right, they're not gonna go into Rollington Town and find that girl. They're not gonna go to Papine or Tivoli Gardens or Portmore and and find that girl. Right, they're gonna go to Hills and Upper Saint Andrew, and there she is. Or maybe if they do want to be provocative and say, "Oh yeah, you know, let, let's just find the statuesque beauty," they might go to Portland. Right, find the girl from the Maroon Villages and they say, "Oh yeah," but if you look closely, she might be the that girl that happened to have the fine features. Just happened. It's interesting that you mention sort of features and, and futurism because over the past year, my sort of, and I don't know if this has been the same for you, Nicole, or, or, or this is kind of all of always how you've kind of understood colorism, but I feel like my understanding of colorism has expanded a bit in that, like, I came to the realization that it's it's not just simply skin tone. It's also hair texture. It's also whether or not you have European features. It's also your body shape. It's all these things that kind of come together and 
and you know uh, are weighted against you somewhat exactly yeah you know um it's so sad because there, there were a group of women that, that i grew up around and they would actually literally talk about the levels of brownings right and the most tragic browning uh, according to them and it's so interesting because i ended up hearing it again in the u.s the, the, the tragic browning of like oh the one that doesn't ha- happen to have the that doesn't have the hazel eyes for example you know, so you're not a true brownie if you don't have the hair, the eyes and the hair to match it. You know, um, just so interesting. And I'm like, why are we even having this conversation? You know, but it, it happens, you know, and or to hear girls say, oh, Lord, yeah, I want that man, that boy with the light skin and the light eyes and the light, you know, he has to add up, like, get the natural browning because their children would want, you know, they would want their children coming out like that. Honestly, I see this with my family who I'm just like in Jamaica, who I'm just like, you all just get with people that like look the same as you. And like, right. so that you can, is this some sort of, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. And I know it's controversial too, because I used to joke inwardly, like um, before, before I was as courageous to write stories, I used to look at the Brownings who were in relationships with each other. And I'm like, you sure you guys are not cousins? You know, because... (laughs) 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 Yeah, they look the same same. to me. And I'm like, yeah. 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 Just finally, I think for so many like young people or just people in general, especially black people, queer people, Jamaican people, you're such a kind of person to look up to such a source for inspiration and like to know that you can do anything and that you can tell your stories in a way that is yours and you're owning it and I think that's so beautiful and so special and you know we've we've gone on and on about how that is true for me and Charlie as well but I wonder is there any um advice that you would give to a a, a younger version of yourself or or a younger person you know because we have a lot of younger listeners as well who might be navigating beauty standards and and queerness and all of these things what would you say to them i'd say you are beautiful as you are and no contrary to popular beliefs like you you think looking like everybody else is gonna be what grants you access no the world likes uniqueness you're when you stand out you stand out you know and own who you are it's the best place to be because you know, I feel like when um when I was trying to be someone else, nothing was authentic. I could not write. I just did not feel confident until somehow I met the right persons, individuals in my life who showed me that it's okay to be you. You know, it's okay to look in that mirror and see beauty. You know, and if the world is not telling you that, you seek it in other places and just own that. You know, own your beauty, own your body. You know, because for so many years, for so long as black women, we were told to be ashamed, you know, of who we are. You know, we we barely had ownership of our own bodies, you know. And then now for us to be told, oh, stay out of that sun, right? Because you'll get blacker. Like, who are you to say that to us? Like, that's who we are as individuals. We take ownership of our own bodies and we actually define our own beauty standards. Don't have anybody else defining it for us. And that would be my advice. And it's easier said than done, I know, right? But um, it, it can be a mantra, like at least post-it notes or something around the house. You know, yeah, the to house. remind yourself is important because words words become yeah. things, I believe that. So, yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Definitely. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Yes, so thank you guys. <laughs> thank you so much. It's always, always lovely to speak to you and get the sort of benefit of your wisdom. And I think everyone will will really appreciate this podcast. So yeah, have an absolutely lovely rest of your day. And yeah, will... enjoy the baby. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you guys. It was a pleasure.
Bye. Whenever I'm asked, like, who who inspires you and, like, what authors and writers and people do you look up to, she's, like, the first person that I reference. And I really mean it when I say that reading Here Comes the Sun changed my life. And it really was the first time that I felt seen as, like, a queer, black, Jamaican woman. And it was just beautiful, brilliant, well-crafted storytelling. It was just, like, an all-rounder. It was, it was amazing. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I took a lot from that. We were probably both gushing slightly, but... It was great. And and I think it's important to note that, you know, the, these journeys of unlearning and these processes are ongoing. And regardless of how successful someone is or how, you know, incredible they are, how great their storytelling abilities are, those are human beings who are still navigating and figuring out all of these things. So I think it was great that she was able to offer some of that to, to our listeners. Audience, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I'm very grateful for her too, uh, for opening up about about that and and speaking about colorism because you know I'm sure she's had some of these conversations before because of the nature of her books but it just shows that she's you know so keen to help the young, younger generation and I liked what you said at the end about words turning into things because although obviously I can't you know my experience I've not experienced color colorism I am light skinned but when it comes to facets of my blackness in terms of physicalities it was a process of unlearning which I feel like I'm kind of not completely at the end that, but certainly like so much better than I was even from when we started Gaudem. And it, it came from being around black women. It came from having conversations about, you know, my body and, and, and following more people who look like me and seeing them and, you know, all those basic things. And yeah, so I, I thought that was really nice to, to speak about. We grew up in the age of things like Form Spring and we grew up in the age of things like Bebo and, and stuff where they had those like voting forms where they'd be yeah. like, rough or buff or like hot or whatever the fuck and 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 if there was a black woman going up against a lighter skinned woman the black woman's being called this that and the other it was my nose it was whatever it was and you know being light skinned was the trophy and it was the prize and that is that permeates all aspects of society but like you say I think having that sense of community and black women specifically around you I think is a really really powerful thing and and again like I completely agree with what you're saying and that that was something that forced me to, not forced me to, but, you know, made me fall in love with myself in a way that perhaps I wouldn't have otherwise. For sure. And it's just such a relief. It's such a relief to look at yourself in the mirror and not to feel hatred or not to feel distaste, you know. So I I really hope for anyone who's listening to this who is struggling with that, that you are able to do what myself and Liv have done and sort of find those people to surround yourself with because it might help. For sure. Oh, well, we've absolutely loved this episode and thank you so much for listening to Growing Up With Galdem every week. We appreciate you. We love you. And we hope that you'll have loved this episode and all of the episodes. And please do continue to listen, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends about it. You know, we're going to keep bringing you some really incredible guests and really important kind of forms of storytelling and yeah do head to galdom.com sign up become a member if you can and thanks for listening this has been an ii studios production thank you so much for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one you can find growing up with galdom on apple podcasts the acast app spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a review rate us and subscribe it really helps the show and if you'd like to find out more about galdom you can head over to our Instagram page at Galdemzine. That's G-A-L-D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com.
Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.